All right. Here we go on a Sunday morning in Las Vegas, just after 8 o'clock. And my name is Brian Feldman, and this is Out of Line. We are here again every Sunday at 8, Fox Sports Radio 98.9 FM at 1340 AM, flagship of the Vegas Golden Knight sister station to Raiders Nation Radio, also sister station to ESPN Radio Las Vegas, and me and social media, media director Spencer The Wiz Ostrowski. Well, last week we said we were coming to you for the final time from the Wiz Den, which is Spencer's studio. But actually, uh, that is going to happen next week. We are going to start back at the Fox Sports uh, Residential Bank Corp Studios over in Las Vegas. We'll be there next week for sure. This week, just too much going on, man. A very busy weekend in the world of sports if you live in Las Vegas, and especially if you're a member of the media. We'll talk about that in a little bit. But um, once again, uh, this is Out of Line, and back in the Fox Sports Residential Bank Corp studio is our producer, Chris Magnum Chapman, and Mags also serves as the locker room reporter for Vegas Golden Knights Radio Network and the pre-pre-game show host of UNLV Rebel Football, and uh, Mags and I have been doing that together the last few games. been a lot of fun. We'll talk about that in a few minutes as well. Um, this show is also streaming on the LV Sports Network, and you can watch the show on Facebook Live and YouTube. The page is called Line. That's O-U-T-T-A-L-I-N-E. Follow the show on Instagram and Twitter at Line Fox LV. And since we are live, your calls and questions are welcome. The Fox Sports Residential Bank Corp Studio Line, 702-876-1340. Hi, this is Bubby, and it's time for What's on Tap. On tap, brought to you by title sponsor, Residential Bank Corp. Whether purchasing a new home or refinancing the home you currently own, Residential Bank Corp. is the company to turn to for all your home financing needs. Residential Bank Corp. Funding America, one neighborhood at a time. Don't forget to ask about the new incredibly discounted payment options on move-in ready Wedgwood homes available right now all over Las Vegas. Call 702-964-5720 for details and to get information on all the home financing options available in the state of Nevada. On tap today. Uh, the Vegas Golden Knights winning streak comes to an end last night at the hands of the St. Louis Blues. I don't think anyone's disappointed. They played well. We'll talk about that today. Also, UNLV basketball is underway. They are 2-0. and What does that mean? Well, stick around. I'm going to be as honest as I can about that. Uh, some people may call it brutally honest. UNLV football also lost their fifth straight game in a row uh, on Saturday night. Um, excuse me, I should say on Friday night at Allegiant Stadium. Um, not an ugly game, a competitive game. Uh, again, but me and Chris did the pre-pre-game show. We were joined by uh, Paloma Villacano of Fox 5 also. We'll talk about that and give you a little taste of what it was like doing that. And also, hey, I kind of predicted that game almost down to a T, a little bit off on this, on uh, what the uh, the difference in score would be. But um, overall, it was pretty cool. As far as predicting the score, not so much cool the outcome of the game. But again, we'll talk about that. And I had a chance to talk to UNLV running back Aiden Robbins, and uh, we'll play that interview for you. Got a lot of tape and uh, videos and stuff like that to play for you today as well. So if you are watching the game on YouTube or Facebook Live, you'll get a chance to see that. Man, I look tired. I'm seeing myself on video here, Spencer. I'm ready to have you turn the thing off so I can go back to bed. Also, of course, uh, the Raiders are back in town. They'll be playing the Indianapolis Colts at Allegiant Stadium. I think 105 is kickoff today. Um, Colts starting uh, old longtime veteran Matt Ryan, who transitioned over there from the Atlanta Falcons. Um, 
playing against the Raiders, a must-win game for the Raiders if they're going to even try to salvage this season. Uh, we'll talk We'll talk about that more in depth. We've got the pick and parlay with the scooper coming up at the end of the show. Make sure you hold off on betting. He was perfect last week. Let's see if he can do it again this week. That is what's on tap. Again, brought to you by title sponsor, Residential Bank Corp. Uh, if you are looking to buy a home or refinance the home you currently own, choose a company you can trust, Residential Bank Corp. Funding America, one neighborhood at a time. Call 702-964-5720 for details on all of your home financing options. And as I mentioned, man, just a crazy weekend. I don't remember a weekend like this. And we'll jump into nightcap in a second. But, I mean, you're talking it started Friday night. I didn't get to do the Friday night show I do on the other station on real estate and mortgages because I wanted to go do the pre-pregame show with Mags and see the Fresno State game as they came into town. That team's riding a real big high, and they're going to end up winning uh, their division in the Mountain West Conference. Uh, It's almost inevitable now. they got to win, I think, one more game of their last two, and uh, they're both winnable for them. Um, So, you know, you started there. Then Saturday you get up, you've got UNLV playing at the Thomas and Mac at 3 o'clock against Incarnate Word. Go right from the Thomas and Mac over to T-Mobile Arena to see the Vegas Golden Knights play the St. Louis Blues, hoping they were going to get their 10th win in a row. Still a really good game, and it was cool to see. And now today, get up, do the show, go home. I'll change. I'll freshen up a little bit and then head up back over to Allegiant Stadium for the Raiders game today. And when that's all said and done, I'm probably going to go home, maybe grab something more to eat and take a rest. But um, it has been a long weekend, a cool weekend. I can't complain, man. How cool is that to see four, four different sporting events in a three-day span is pretty damn cool. Spencer go ahead and hit it man hockey players as you know are warriors they don't give up they come to play every game it's time for nightcap a cup full of the vegas golden knights from highlights to interviews to special events the puck starts here here it actually started a little bit about a month ago and uh, this Vegas old Knights team is rolling up until yesterday they were the best team in hockey for about a week they're not that far behind um, they've got one game or I should say that uh, the Boston Bruins have one game in hand overall and are 13 and two where the Vegas Golden Knights are 13 and three um, uh, as hot as can be. And yesterday, not much you can do when you face a hot Jordan Bennington, who is, in my opinion, a top five goaltender in the National Hockey League. When he decides to shut you down, it's going to be hard to get the puck past. And they were losers. They were on a big time losing streak themselves. And St. Louis had to get off the snide. Vegas comes off of a, just a huge five game road trip, winning every single game on that road trip, including Jack Eichel getting to go back to Buffalo and really rub it in their face, a hat trick in the third period, uh, four points in the third period for uh, for Master Jack. And I'll tell you what, it was pretty cool, man. The guy, uh, the guy went around and kind of taunted the fans a little bit. But, you know, Jack really uh, took a mental beating in Buffalo for an injury that you can't really help. He got declined getting his surgery. And uh, he's a new guy out here in, La- in Las Vegas. And I'll tell you what, everyone is seeing what Chris and I talked about on the show last year when we got this guy, how valuable Jack Eichel was going to be this team, that this guy is a top five, maybe a top three player in the National Hockey League. Picked second overall about five years ago behind Connor McDavid, who I don't think anyone's going to argue is the best player in the NHL. So to say that Jack Eichel's in that kind of company, and truly 
he is when Jack Eichel is the player. And we've seen it a couple of times this year when he wants to take over a game at certain times, he has that ability. And that's a really hard thing to do in a sport like hockey is to take over a game. And, uh, and Jack Eichel has that kind of ability. Uh, last night, just, just a good all around game by the golden Knights. second period, kind of a lull, but they got a lot of shots on that 37 shots on net. But the problem is Jordan Bennington stopped 35 of them and Aiden Hill didn't play bad. I mean, the guys, was 5-0 and on the season going into last night's game. I just think, you know, the time change and getting back and, and you know, getting back with your family, getting hap- happy to be at home, um, it just took a little bit of edge off this team. But, again, I can't even say that because in the third period when they had to press to get that last goal, Chris, they pressed. And they played really well. But, again, Bennington, you know, he's one of those goaltenders that has that ability to say no. And when he says no, it's going to be really hard to put the puck past him. And we could see his focus in that last period he just wasn't going to let the puck in the net but you know you can't you can't fault the, the Vegas Golden Knights they really put on the pressure in that last period well you know I mean that that all that's true about Bennington but the reality is Braden Shen was the one who made the save of the game not Jordan Bennington uh late in the third period Braden McNabb came in had a shot at rebounded off of Bennington Jonathan Marsh or so was staring at an open net and he would have tied the game had Braden Shen not stuck his stick out and blocked the puck from going into the net. Bennington's the type of guy where if you get him rattled, and he does get rattled pretty easily, you you can certainly put a couple past him. Uh, he did not get rattled last night. There was a moment in the first period where things looked like maybe they would boil over, but things settled down. And, uh, you know, look, the, the, the reality is the Golden Knights had won nine games in a row. There was an extremely emotional high in that fifth game with Jack Eichel going to Buffalo with all the things that those fans had said and done to him. I don't think it was personal against the organization. I mean, there may have been some of that, but I think it was just the emotional high of going back to Buffalo. You're fully healthy. Uh, Last year was a little bit of a different uh, situation for the Golden Knights when they traveled to Buffalo. But Jack Eichel, as you mentioned, gets that hat trick in the third period. And, you know, you look, you come home, there's going to be emotional letdown. And I think for two and a half periods, the Golden Knights were trying to find the ability to get themselves up. I think Bruce Cassidy said it best last night. Look, these guys are human. And I think that's that's really important because, look, every single person, regardless of what they do in life, they have emotional highs and lows when it comes to their job. You know, there's days where, I mean, I know what you do in, in your uh, line line of work where you know coming in you're about to close the deal and you're going to get a nice big check and then there's days where you come in and you're like oh no you know I really got to work hard to kind of to to, to, to kind of pick myself up and hopefully make some money so you know it's the same with these guys there, there there's emotional highs and lows in this game and they had won nine games in a row you're coming off the big win in Buffalo sweeping an East Coast road trip which is never something that's very easy to do. Look, I mean, I, I, I think the more important game is how this team responds on Tuesday when the San Jose Sharks come into town. I believe it's Phil Kessel's 1,000th game in a row, which is pretty incredible if you think about that. Um, so, yeah, there, there's definitely a lot of emotion involved in a game like last night. St. Louis, look, they had just lost eight games in a row. They beat those aforementioned San Jose Sharks on Thursday night. They were they they were playing like a desperate team. And the Golden Knights, despite the fact that they weren't at their best last night, they they they, they could have won that game. 
Um, look, this team has got three losses on the season, all three losses by one goal, which is pretty remarkable considering how far along you are into the season. Uh, no longer the longest winning streak in the NHL. That belongs to my New Jersey Devils. I just wanted to put that in there. I was going to hey, you stole my thunder. But, uh, but look, you know, I mean, Brian, you, you and I watch the game. There, there's going to be emotional roller coasters, and I don't think last night was a dip like where you went down the, 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 the first hill of the roller coaster at New York, New York. Um, look, it, like I said, I'm more curious to see how they respond Tuesday night after playing a game that by their standards was subpar last night. Um, you know, Aiden Hill played good. He was really good in that second period. Just a couple of wonky goals that went in. Uh, there was a mistake made by him. And I believe it was Nick Waugh, maybe or was maybe it was Nick Haig, a little lack of communication. I, yeah, not Nick Watt. It was Nick yeah, he Hague. Just, what he did is he just he just kind of gave the puck a little push behind the net, not really paying attention to the fact that, you know, a St. Louis player was right there in front of, I think it was Nick Hague, and he was right there in front of him. Yeah. And, you know, and you got you to gotta pay attention a little bit better, but no fault of Aiden Hill. Yeah, just, you know, Chris, a, just, I, a, just a little mental lapse. And, you know, look, Aiden Hill's been really, really good for the Golden Knights this year. So uh, a big part of the reason why they've been so successful, and that's that's not to take anything away from Logan. Thompson because he's been phenomenal as well but I mean look it, no goalie is going to go out and play the perfect game every single time um, you know they, they beat him in the first period with a, with a really good shot I mean look oh, you, 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 you threaded Chris, the needle there, there like, you, you, you there put it right what? through the eye of the needle I was going to say there was probably about three inches, and I might even be being generous, over Logan Thompson's right shoulder, and somehow he found those three inches. I mean, yeah, it, it's pretty incredible. No, no goalie is stopping that shot. I mean, that could not have been more perfectly placed. It's like hitting a bullseye in the dead center of the bullseye, and, and it was incredible. And as you said, Chris, this team without question has far exceeded anyone who's being honest expectations out there right now, mainly because of the fact you didn't know, you know, was Jack Eichel going to come out and find his legs? You know, Mark Stone, you know, really a role player. Chandler Stevenson, was he going to pick up from where he left off last year? And the biggest question is what was going to happen between the pipes? We knew Robin Leonard was not going to play this year. You knew Lauren Brossois with the hip surgery he had was going to be on the shelf for a while. You figured Logan Thompson was going to get the nod. We didn't know who the backup goaltender was going to be. They ended up acquiring Aiden Hill from the Sharks and he's been magical and so has, you know, Logan Thompson as you said, both of them. Two shutouts this year for Thompson. I mean, it is amazing when you look at Logan Thompson and think he only played 20 NHL games last year and was thrown into the fire and Aiden Hill has been primarily a backup in his short NHL career. So, this is really incredible what the, these two guys are putting together, you know, with with kind of a two-to-one switch with uh, Logan Thompson being the main guy. Laurent Brossois now clears waivers on Friday. He's healthy, but before we talk about that, Spencer, I don't want to blow this off. We got it real real quickly in the locker room after the game. One of the guys who, without question, over the past couple of seasons has established himself as one of the uh, one of the better two-way players in the National Hockey League for sure can play offensively, has a rifle of a slap shot, and I'll never forget the first time I ever interviewed Shea Theodore uh, when he came first came up, and I think he may have been the biggest surprise of guys not making the initial opening day roster of this team in 2017, but I remember talking to Shea Theodore, his very first game in the locker room, and I just said, you know, how does it feel coming up? You know, you didn't, you know, you didn't, you didn't make the team at the beginning, but it didn't take long for him to bring him up. He said, I'm 
never going back down. And I mean, confidently looked me right in the eye and said, I'm never going back down. He never went back down. I mean, it's a bold statement for a guy who's really just getting his start in the NHL. But Shea Theodore has played determined hockey. And after yesterday's game, just real quickly, he just kind of talked about losing that game. And he also talked about the play of Aiden Hill. Yeah, they just they spread us out. Um, you know, I think I think they, they established some good shots. You know, they, they capitalized on some turnovers, and um, you know, I think we just have to we have to do better. You know, he played great tonight, but outstanding, and um, you know, we just have to get more O's in time in the first two. Yeah, and, and uh, you know, I mean, love talking to that guy, love his focus. He's, he's just a good human being and a really good hockey player with still a tremendous upside, probably right now just reaching the, peach, re- reaching, the, reaching the peak of his athletic ability. So really nice to see that. And, you know, as, as I mentioned with the goaltenders, Chris, you know, you can comment on Laurent Bussois, clears waivers. He, uh, get, you know, of course, went to Henderson. And what are the Golden Knights going to do now? I mean, you know, it, it, it's that old, the old this adage in sports or in, in life, you know, the hair of the dog, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. And right now this golden Knights team is anything but broken. I don't know that you want to mess up the chemistry and even try to throw Lauren Braswan to the mix right now. You put him in Henderson, you say, Hey, we're going to see how he, you know, how the hip has responded to the surgery and you prolong that for as long as you can, unless you start seeing a little bit of trouble or somebody gets hurt. I think right now you just don't move anything around. You leave the pieces where they are. Yeah. There's not going to be any changes. Loren Brossois, you know, he went down to Henderson for the injury rehab, which is allowed uh, for goalies. And then uh, two days ago, they they waived Loren Brossois, sent him down to Henderson on a full-time uh, thing. And he cleared waivers yesterday, so nobody picked him up. So as of today, Loren Brossois, uh, his salary does not all of it, like half of it basically uh, accounts or, or counts against the salary caps. So the Golden Knights are paying a little bit of his salary to be in Henderson. He only makes about, I think, $2.5 million. So uh, not a not a major hit uh, to the Golden Knights in terms of that. But what, for a team up against the cap, it's obviously a, a, a situation. Look, like you said, they're not going to bring Loren Brossois up unless they need to. Uh, Loren Brossois and his few starts in Henderson, I, I don't know if he played last night, but I knew the first two starts he was not very good. Uh, and that's to be expected. The, the guy was off for, for nearly a year. Uh, rehabbing an injury and, and dealing with with the surgery and all that, so it, obviously it is going to take a bit of time to get back to uh, being an NHL caliber goaltender. And Lauren Brossois is that, and that's a really good insurance policy for the Golden Knights to have that with Lauren Brossois sitting in Henderson. Should something knock on wood, hopefully it doesn't, but something should happen to either Logan Thompson or Aiden Hill. The Golden Knights are in a position where they have an NHL caliber goalie sitting right across uh, the, the the strip there in Henderson. Um, look, the, the main thing for, for, for this team is the salary cap. Uh, they're, they're, they are up against it. And like I said, Loren Brossois' salary, only about half of it counts. But hypo- hypothetically, you're going to be looking to get better or improve somewhere along the way, like all good teams do. If you're serious about winning the Stanley Cup, come trade deadline, the Golden Knights, if they continue at this pace and – and let's be honest, winning uh, the, the the way they have as many games as they have early on, it's it's highly unlikely that they'll continue at this pace. They will hit a slump at some point. It happens. It's, you know, every team goes through it. Colorado Avalanche went through it last year. The Lightning finished third in the division the last time they won the Stanley Cup. So um, the the main thing for the Golden Knights is staying healthy. And, and we've seen so far 
so good in, in, in that regard. But at some point, you, you have to imagine someone will get injured somewhere along the way, and the Golden Knights maybe will have to make a move uh, to, to address that. But, uh, you know, it, it's going to come down. I think at this point, you're, you're looking at the way this team has adapted to Bruce Cassidy's system. It's been very good. It's a very goalie-friendly system. But, you know, that salary cap is something that's always got to be in the back of your mind because, Brad, I do think at some point the Golden Knights are going to maybe want to make a move to, to improve uh, and, and get maybe my, my guess is they they may want to bring in uh, a, a guy like maybe Max Domi, uh, a, a tougher player who will provide some some nastiness and grit, but also have a little bit of offensive capability. He is a UFA going into next season, and the Blackhawks are a team that, well, quite frankly, they're 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 not going to be a playoff team well, despite well, the fact that they've played well. No, down the road, I, I agree. They're going to have to look at that, and I, and I think that's a perfect guy, somebody like that that is going to bring a little bit of that grit, especially towards the playoffs. And again, you know, right now, you know, Laurent Brossois, you know, talked about playing not great in his first couple starts. Mentally, it's got to be tough. You know, you go through rehabbing. First of all, a hip surgery. You know, as a goaltender, you, 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 your hips, you got to be very flexible. So that's a heck of an injury to come back from. And and then you're looking at the fact that you've got these two. Two guys now playing really well in front of you, not to mention the number one goalie's not even around right now. And that's next year to think that you could be the fourth guy on the list. I mean, yeah, it's it's a it's a super tough position to play. You know, I mean, it's it's a lot like I, I would probably say it's a lot like a quarterback. In the NFL, and, and obviously, I think you know you hear the old saying, "quarterback is the most important position in, in all of sports," and that's probably true. But I think mentally, for quarterbacks, there's 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 a lot. You know, I, I look at catchers in baseball, the, the 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 mental aspect, right? Being able to call the right pitches at the right time, throwing the ball down the second base if a guy's trying no, to steal. You know, I'm so just saying, when you go you go down you go down to Henderson and you don't play well, what's next? Oh, and, well, yeah, mental mentally, health is, is is very important though for the, for that position. Other- well, and the other thing is, you know, what we talked about. I mean, you know, he clears waivers. What does that say? Nobody wants you. And and I mean, mentally, you go. It's like you come back from this injury. You know, you've worked really hard, and you come back, and you're like an unwanted redheaded stepchild. And you know, and that's kind of what it feels like to be Laurent Brossois probably right now in his own head. And he's got to work through that because the bottom line is he's got to perform it at a really high level at a lower level to have a chance to get to the highest level again. If there was a level talk, but the truth of the matter is, you know. Laurent Brossois is an NHL goaltender. He's proven that in the past. I'm not going to say he's a great one, but could Laurent Brossois be a good backup? Sure, man. Out there, he could be a good backup for a lot of NHL teams. He'll be back eventually. He'll be in the NHL again. I don't know that he'll he'll play for the Vegas Golden Knights again, but it's a long season, and injuries are a big part of this game. And right now, he's the third man. So if, if anything were to happen, any type of injury to Logan Thompson or to Aiden Hill, they are going to bring up Laurent Brossois. So, and, and I'm sure at the some point in the season, we will see him get his opportunity with the Vegas Golden Knights. That being said, uh, as Chris mentioned, the Vegas Golden Knights, now they got two more games at T-Mobile. They play San Jose Tuesday night. I look for a rebound game. It's a perfect rebound game from a loss uh, to the Blues to kind of get slapped back. Now that you're back on schedule, you're back on the Western uh, time zone, and 
that's a good game to get back on the winning track. As Chris mentioned, the hottest team in the National Hockey League, the New Jersey Devils, winners of nine straight games. Uh, wow, is that? And, you know, the, right, not too far away, the New York Islanders playing pretty well, as you know, pretty good as well with a 10-6 and six record. But, um, you know, Bruins, Bruins right now the best record in the National Hockey League, but the Vegas Golden Knights right behind him. And, again, I think – Anybody that says the Vegas Golden Knights have not exceeded their expectations by a long shot, even though it's really early in the season, would be lying in my opinion. Both the goaltenders have f- played way better than anyone could have expected, and hats off to both of them. I love seeing it, love seeing the competition there, and I really hope they can keep this level of hockey going throughout the season. Yeah, they're not going to stay this hot. They're not going to continue to win at this pace, at that type of a winning percentage, but the bottom line is the Golden Knights have shown that they can play and be among the elite teams in the NHL when they are firing on all cylinders, which they are. And and by the way, their penalty kill has been pretty exceptional lately too. Special teams is huge, something Bruce Cassidy preaches, and you are seeing it. Um, you're you're seeing it on the ice, and I, I really like what I'm seeing from this team. And what I like the most is they were not the sharpest last. That is Bruce Cassidy talked about their humans five game road trip where they win every game. That is just emotionally draining, and and to come home. Home. And then when they had to in the third period of one goal game against a team that really is their back up against the wall, losers of eight straight and, you know, just a couple of years removed from a Stanley Cup championship. This team is, you know, they're proud. And granted, they don't have a lot of the players they had then, but the Golden Knights did everything they could to win this game at the end. And, and keep in mind, their net was empty for two minutes at the end of the game and not one puck went in. That tells you how hard they were playing and, and how much of the game was spent in the offensive zone in the last two minutes. And, and, and hats off to them again. We'll see what they have going forward. But I love what I'm seeing from this team. And I'm telling you what, what we saw Jack Eichel do in Buffalo, he's not going to do every night, but he plays like that. on off. He's going to be in the running for MVP this season. And how cool would that be if Jack Eichel can continue to score at this pace and and be in talks of being an MVP only a year removed from a back surgery that you know potentially can end a career and uh, and I love this I love what we're seeing from the Vegas Golden Knights well also yesterday as I mentioned a lot of sports going on this weekend got a chance to go down uh, UNLV basketball is back Chris I know your wife came back into town and real quickly before I do that I meant to do this at the beginning of the show uh, yesterday was my mom's would have been my mother 82nd birthday. She passed away um, right before my son's 18th birthday in um, October of 2015. And um, November the 12th is her birthday. Mom, I miss you and think about you every single day. And I want to get that out there now because I I truly believe every time I think about her, she kind of comes back. And that's my own little theory. So mom, happy birthday to you. I should say belated, but it was yesterday. But yesterday, everything I did and wherever I was yesterday, you kept popping into my head. So I want to make sure I do that. Uh, Real quickly, guys, again, talking about UNLV basketball on a different note and kind of, um, you know, they're two and oh, and, um, in all seriousness, you know, I have to be straight. The show's called out of line. This is difficult for me. And it is because, um, I did not like what I saw yesterday at all. I didn't like what I saw in the opener against Southern. And these are teams right now that, that UNLV should beat by 30 points. And I mean, in kind of words coming off of a, a eight or nine point loss to North Dakota, and um, this is a team that, uh, you know, I mean, yesterday, I just I just didn't see it. And after the game, you know, I'll start right off with with the first thing. This is Kevin Kruger's comments after the game, and then I'll comment on his comments after this. Um, another, I thought, really great effort defensively. Uh, we 
again, you know, forcing 25 turnovers is, uh, is, is kind of what gets things going for us. And, and uh, so, so really proud of and happy for him. Um, uh, you know, it's starting to stick out pretty good when we, when we have some sort of breakdown. And I think that's what's, uh, there's, there's, even though you don't want to see it, there's a little bit of comfort in it. Um, just at the end of the day when you watch the film because it's happening uh, less and less. So uh, really happy for that, you know, shooting the first half, you know, 63%, overall 55.5%, shared the ball, got the ball in the paint, kicked out, uh, swung a drive, a lot, a lot of good plays for each other. Even though, you know, ending up with 17 assists, uh, it, it just may not have shown up as much, just uh, opened up driving opportunities for each other. Uh, we were able to get downhill, get to the free throw line. So um, that's going to have to be our MO offensively, just sharing it, driving and kicking, relocating. But uh, all in all, I thought a, a pretty good night for us. I, I, you know, Chris, you weren't at the game. Spencer, you guys weren't at the game yesterday. I, I don't know what game Coach Kruger was watching. And I mean, I, I've got to be thrilled. This. I, I was sitting there and it was it was hard to watch. It really was. And, and the reason being, I don't want to be too hard. I mean, it's the second game of the season. But I, I had expectations because I saw on the portal all the guys that we'd gotten from decent name schools, a lot of D1, some Power 5 conference schools. I don't see one guy on this team that is the leader. I don't see a point guard that is going to drive this team. Jordan McCabe's not the guy. Jordan Jordan McCabe couldn't penetrate if his life's dependent on it, at least now. And I'm sorry for saying that. Let me see something. Let me see you do that. Because Sean Gilbert seems to be the guy they're talking about being the leader of the team. And Spencer, you go ahead if you can get, get to when uh, he was asked about the play of Keyshawn Gilbert. This is Keyshawn Gilbert. This is what he had to say. But, you know, I think that the way he's shooting it, he, stands, he steps up there and confidently catches it and lets it go. And, you know, with his ability to get the paint and his ability to get by people, I think, uh, you know, that that's just going to open up a whole new world for him. You know, people having to go out there and guard him, not being able to close out short to him, is, uh, is really just going to open up a whole new game for him. So excited for him. He deserves it. Uh, he worked like crazy to, to, to get that shot more confident and more comfortable. It's a lot more consistent. There's not a lot, of, you know, he used to shoot a lot. Uh, you know, if we tell about it, you want it to be the same every time. And I think every time he shoots it now, um, it's the same. And, and uh, But he's going to keep working at it. So we're excited for excited for his start and, and his future. You know, he had a game-high 23 points. I'll give him that. Um, but you're, you're the leading guard, he had zero assists, uh, two rebounds. He played tw- 22 minutes, uh, you know, third most on the team minutes. But... Um, I didn't see it. I didn't see what he just said about Kashawn Gilbert at all. And I think uh, you're you're looking at a body of work against Southern and 23 points to get incarnate word. Yeah, it was 88-63, um, a 25-point victory, you know, um, good. They they were favored by, I think, uh, when the game went off, it was 26. So, uh, you know, so they just missed that. They st- It opened at like 24 and a half, so they beat that. I, I don't know. I'm, I'm scrambling here. And, and I'm scrambling because I, I want to say positive things. I, as far as a person goes, Kevin Kruger couldn't be more of a class act. Was a, was a guard on this team that went to, uh, that took the last time this team went to a Sweet 16 when he played for his father and transferred here. But um, the bottom line, and Chris Wynn's chiming in now, uh, you know, they, they, were, they were badly out-rebounded in the first half against, uh, against a team that, that, that shouldn't get more than three rebounds the entire game. Granted, they got a big, they got a big kid from Australia, a couple of big guys. I, I, I'm scrambling, guys and, and, and gals. I'm scrambling. 
And, and that is because I want to find something positive to say. Afterwards, one of the things they talked about a lot during the press conference was, you know, the defense of this team and how well they played. And, um, you know, so I asked Coach Kruger, uh, you know, um, about the game. One of the things that we were talking about, and I was sitting with Chris Wynn and Brian Shapiro during the game and, you know, watched the entire thing. And we kept just shaking our heads because we kept seeing incarnate words players were open on the perimeter they went four of 17 from the three point from three point land in the first half if half of those shots go in this is a different basketball game and they they were better in the second half but out of those 17 three-point shots and correct me if i'm wrong i would say probably 14 of them were uncontested and that's unacceptable and they were double teaming people down low that don't have no there's nobody on that team that requires double teaming and, and that's what I didn't know. But this was when I asked Kevin about uh, the perimeter defense or the lack thereof of it. Kevin, real quick, um, they, there were a lot of open looks from three from the perimeter, and it seemed like you were double teaming down low, and then they were getting open on the perimeter. They went four of seventeen from three point in the first half. I don't know what I haven't seen the second half stats, but if they make half of those three point shots, it's a different ball game. So, what, guarding on the perimeter is that something that was you know is it more of a focus or? Yeah, I think, it, you know, that's one of those things where, you know, we, we probably got a little extended uh, when, we were tra- when we were trapping drives. Uh, but, uh, you know, the hand activity of that first group that was in, much like Monday, um, didn't give a lot of, a lot of looks uh, from the perimeter. But, yeah, that's kind of the game we're on a little bit. We, I think we just got our hands down. Um, but we, we've got to keep the activity, keep the, the pressure on the ball um, so that they get less looks. Yeah, because, you know, like you mentioned, that the – Yeah, you know, and I I would think that you're about to hear what Brian Shapiro asked a question after I did that I thought was an excellent question. It was a question everyone, I think, in the room wanted the answer to. And what is this team going to do to improve? What do they need to do to improve and get ready for a tough road ahead? Starting Tuesday night, they got to play Dayton. And Dayton right now is ranked 24th in the country. Who is all I can say that 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 to me is going to be an eye an eye opening game for a lot of people that maybe aren't seeing what I'm seeing or maybe my eyes will get open and I'll see something I haven't seen yet and I'll be surprised. But um, this is what Kevin Kruger had to say about what this team needs to do to improve. I think that probably the last two questions, you know, the, the offensive rebounding that we're, we're allowing and then those looks from three. I think uh, I think we do a really good job of helping for each other. And uh, even tonight, I thought we did a really good job maybe even on the first pass out. But it's kind of that second effort, that continued effort, that multiple rotations where uh, maybe we got a little tired. We had, we had guys go maybe a little longer than, than we would have liked or we will in the future. But uh, probably those two areas, I think, have just got to be addressed. And then we've got to understand that even – you know, especially on, on Tuesday, we're gonna we're gonna get a nice wake up call if we don't if we don't fix those two things pretty quick. I think uh, a wake-up call is going to be coming on Tuesday, and I think the things that need to be fixed is you've got to find somebody to lead this team and and be a floor general, and and I I just don't know who they're going to turn to. Keyshawn Gilbert, I I don't know that he has that, that, you know, at this point in time, maybe with growth in time. I'm Again, I'm scrambling, guys. I want to be as positive as I can, so I'll say this. We'll see what's going to happen on Tuesday night. Um, They're they're back at the Thomas & Mac. They're playing Dayton again, ranked 24th in the country. Game times at eight o'clock. If there's two things going for UNLV, one of them is the games at home, and two of them is it's an eight o'clock start. Dayton is on the East Coast. I mean, the East Coast or in the Midwest, it's Dayton, Ohio. Uh, it's three hours later there than it is here. The game starts at eight. That's going to be eleven their time. That is something that 
hopefully will help UNLV out a, a tired Dayton team. But I'm telling you, that is going to really, uh, I think, be a parameter of where this team is at right now. And again, my opinion, I don't think we're going to like what we see come Tuesday night. We'll be there. We'll talk about it next week. And I'm going to leave it alone right now. I'm going to wish them the best. Again, I, I think there's no question Kevin Kruger's heart and mind and soul is in the right place when it comes to UNLV basketball team. But there's got to be changes on this team. They are challenged offensively. They're challenged on the glass and even challenged defensively. As much as everyone's talking about how good they've looked defensively, you got to look at the, their opponents and I'm going to leave it right there. Um, I'm, we'll talk much more about it next week. And uh, you know, and, and, and as the season goes on, and like I said, I, there is a ton of room for improvement. I hope that they're able to make that improvement as the time goes on. I'm going to leave it right there. Let's quickly move over. We'll talk about UNLV footballs. We're running behind as always. An hour is just not enough time. Um, UNLV football. I, I don't know what to say about them other than we've seen improvements at, in a bit, but they've lost now. Okay. They've lost five straight games and they're six and four from four and one. And um, after the game, uh, you know, the first thing is, um, you know, Marcus Arroyo, talking about the five game slide and which I thought was kind of inappropriate, making sure we all remembered that uh, they started four and one. Go ahead. Spend. It's really important playing, playing at the end of the season when, when things matter. Um, you know, that's the stick that everyone wants to write. Everyone's got a defense all right now, ready to press play. I know it goes, you know, the slide, the five game slides. We started four and one too. keep that high. Remember that. Okay. Uh, these guys are going to finish. They like to fight. This is going to be a good finish. I'm excited about coaching these guys. Uh, you know, and I understand his, I, I, and I like the attitude. I like the chip on your shoulder. I don't mind any of that, but all of us know you started four and one. We were giving you a lot of praise then. We're not going to give you a lot of praise when you lose five straight games. I'm sorry. And we said it after the four and one start. We looked at the road ahead and said, this could be a rocky road. They could lose the next five games. I, I remember saying it. You know, I, I really didn't think it would happen. I think they'd they'd have found a win in there. You know, I thought maybe, you know, Air Force. I thought maybe for sure Fresno State, even though Fresno State's been playing uh, tremendous football. But, you know, the bottom line is Chris is chiming in. We were standing on the field, Chris Wynn and I, watching it. And the first fourth and one, it was awesome. Saw Aiden Robbins take it to the house, man. It was, uh, it was a tremendous play. And he took it to the house and, uh, you know, 55 yards out. But then they ran it a second time. And Marcus Arroyo ran the exact same play. It was the same formation. And Chris, you can type in if you want. I said it to him right in the sideline before the play verbatim. I said, they are lined up in the exact formation as the last force down. They're going to run the same play. They're going to send Robbins up the middle again. It's exactly what they did. And they stuffed them. And that really was the end of the game. And it was such a shame because what was a shame, first of all, is Fresno went right back and scored a touchdown. But the bottom line is Fresno is a good team, a seeding-laden team, at, a senior-laden team at the skill positions. Their quarterback might be a little bit undersized, but he's going to get a look in the NFL. I mean, this kid can throw the football. Maybe not the strongest arm, but he's got a really good football IQ, and we could see it yesterday. He makes the right decisions. And I said at the beginning of the game, in the pregame show with Chris Chapman, and Chris, you know this, you were there. I said, you asked me at the very last thing he asked me was, what was my prediction? We always say that at the end of the pre-pregame show. And I said, my prediction is that if at the end of the game there's favorable stats for the best receiver in the Mountain West, in my opinion, and maybe the best, the, the, you know, a, a guy that is almost for sure going to play on Sundays. And I said, if there's, if there's stats on this kid 
um, at the end of the game, it's going to be bad. It's Jalen Moreno uh, Cropper, and um, he was unbelievable. And uh, he, he, you know, he caught what he had to, and you could just see his skill set. He ran away from people, and this kid was real good. And um, I said that I, I predicted UNLV would lose by four. They lost by seven. There you're seeing, if you're watching it, you're seeing the run by uh, Aiden Robbins, which was really, really cool. But, um, you know, that last play call, and, and Royal talked about it. And go ahead, Spencer, you can run that. Royal talked about the two fourth down play calls. The first one was a, a big play for a touchdown, which is awesome. So it felt like, you know, that was really exciting. Um, had the right call on there. And uh, shoot, take it back and do something different. But the reality is we had a perfect call on. They made a good play. And, you know, I mean, you know, he, he said he would call something different. I, I, I appreciate that. That was definitely honesty. But I, I'm, I'm surprised they called that. You know, you just knew the ball was going to Aiden Robbins. The formation, everything screamed it. And, again, I've never been, you know, I, I coached flag football in my life. I've never been a football coach. So for me to sit there on the per- sideline and say exactly what's going to happen, if I can figure that out, I got a feeling uh, it wasn't too hard to figure that out on the Fre- Fresno State sideline either. was a good game, was pretty cool. And um, one of the things that, uh, you know, at, at the end of the game that I think should be talked about is um, Co- Coach Arroyo was asked if the final two games would define this season. And I I didn't love the answer to the question, but go ahead, Spencer, run it. No. It's much bigger than these two games, but these two games are big. You know, I think that you're going to look back at the whole thing and say, um, have you improved? You know, what's your culture like? Uh, where can you make gains? Where can you improve? Uh, where didn't you, where'd you fall short? But I think it's going to be a large, it's a much bigger picture than two games. These two games are huge. Uh, they know that. We know that. Um, yeah, uh, yeah, we all know that, but I, there's no question to me those two games define the season now because the season started 4-1 and one, as he made sure we all remembered. They're now, they've lost five straight games. That's what we remember right now, okay? You know, you know the old saying in life, what have you done for me lately? I'm not taking anything away from their start. We all talked about it. We bragged about it. Some people ran it about it, and, and, and justifiably, you know, Marcus Arroyo told everyone basically with his with the performance in the first five games, put it in your pipe and smoke it. And we all did. We agreed. But when you lose five games, you have to answer for that. I don't care who your opponents are. I'll throw out the Notre Dame game. He got destroyed by San Jose State. There's no business for losing the way they did. They got completely out. The, as I talked about, they got exposed that they, they couldn't handle physicality in that game. And Air Force... Took that, it took that and ran with it as well. Now they played well against San Diego State, but uh, but San Diego State is challenged offensively. We all know that they play decent defensively, and UNLV could have won that game. Hey, a seven point loss to Fresno State at the end of the day is not a bad thing. But again, don't say these games aren't going to define your season. They absolutely are. You need to win them both. With a four and one start, it would be a disappointing season. If you did not become at least bowl eligible and go six and six, it wouldn't have been if you started differently, but you yourself said it. We remember those four games. Now you got to win two more against two winnable teams. Hawaii is a bad football team, period. Now, but you're playing them on the road in a game where, where it's tough to play because you go to Hawaii for God's sakes. We all know that. And secondly, you know, I mean, the, the bottom line is that uh, it's a road game. And it's 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 overseas, and it's also a different time zone there. We'll see, we'll we'll see what happens, and then the final game against Reno can't get any more motivation than that.
the school from up north, as Chris would say, coming down, you know, to play him here. And, um, you know, I'm going to leave it at that. I, I really want to want more here. You guys chime in on this, but unfortunately we're just running behind on time. We'll talk more about UNLV. We'll see how they can recover next week going to Hawaii. I think it's good for them to get out of town and it would be a nice to go out to Hawaii and win the game. I don't care if it's a one point win to come back here with a chance to be bowl eligible in your final game against Reno. Uh, that is what Marcus Arroyo should be praying for. And you win that game and it's a, it, it, you know what? The season's considered a success. So to these two games to find your season, they absolutely do Marcus Arroyo. And it would have been okay if you said that, but we'll leave that alone. We'll move on real quickly. Uh, talk about that. And Spencer, go ahead. Cause we don't have a lot of time for it. So get to fact this. If you don't like the facts, take your ass back to bed. Fact this. It's a fact that yesterday LSU true freshman linebacker Harold Perkins Jr. carried the Tigers to a three-point win at Arkansas, in turn handing them the SEC West title. This is a name you should etch into memory now because I believe Harold Perkins Jr. will end his career as one of the greatest collegiate linebackers we've ever seen. Um, This kid is unbelievable. The speed, he's 19 years old, a true freshman. One of the best, they say, high school linebackers to ever come out of high school, played in Texas. This kid's unreal. I watched the game yesterday, my mouth was just hanging open. Not gigantic, like 6'2", 225, but there's just no stopping him. I mean, he is relentless, a ball hawk like I've never seen. And I don't know that there's anybody at 6'2", 225. He can't run down right now. And again, people, 19 years old. He's not developed yet. He's not even figured it out yet. And yet right now he's one of the best linebackers in the country as a true freshman. Um, Be prepared. This guy is going to take the NFL storm. I haven't seen anything like this guy or moves or the ability to get into the backfield or just get around everybody since Lawrence Taylor. Huge statement. I said it. Etch him into memory now. Harold Perkins Jr. And uh, just just remember that uh, because this guy is going to be around for some time and he's a, a really exciting to play to watch. And um a big part of the big wins that they've had over Alabama and this Arkansas team, not a really good team, but this was a close game and LSU just didn't have it together offensively yesterday. This is a really good team. And um, I think they'll give Georgia fits in the sec championship game, but Georgia win the game. But uh, this kid is going to be fun to watch. And definitely if you get a chance to check out an LSU game, watch him number 40, man, a, a defensive linebacker worth the price of admission. And he absolutely is pretty cool. All right, man, let's move on and, uh, and get to what we need to talk about. And that is the bone as the Raiders back in town, really a disappointing loss to the Jacksonville Jaguars on the road last week. I remember distinctly being asked what was going to happen in this game. Would the Raiders win the game against Jacksonville? And if you remember, I real quickly, I didn't even hesitate. The answer was no. Now, the game was closer than my answer for sure. But at the end of the day, it's another L. Um, I, I thought the coaching was bad. I thought the quarterback play was below average to bad. And I think this team's in trouble and needs a facelift. And um, yes, I'm, I'm, I'm going to say that the offensive line has been horrific at times. They've tried, you know, several different combinations. They're going to have to fix that, but you're going to have to fix a big problem at the quarterback position. And I hate saying it because David Carr, excuse me, Derek Carr, a little faux pas there is, is a great guy. 
He's a good leader. He wants to win. He's a football player. And, and I, and I think he belongs in the NFL and belongs on the team. Maybe as a backup somewhere. I don't know. But the bottom line is what I have seen from, from Derek Carr this year to this point, this team isn't going to get to where they want to get to with him. And especially when you've got skilled players. Now, granted, Darren Waller's been out most of the season, but, but, um, you know, Foster Moreau has done an admirable job. He's probably a top 15 tight end in the league right now. If you looked at his stats and he comes through with big catches, he, we haven't really, they haven't really been hurting terribly. That's not what's killing them is the tight end position. That's for sure. Devonte Adams, how he's hardly targeted ever is beyond me, but Devonte Adams, we see how good he is. We know how good he is. We've seen him play in the NFL for years now. Top three wide receiver. Absolutely. And then you've got uh, Hunter Renfro, you know, not, not, he's hurt this year, had a concussion, missed a couple games, but uh, one of the best slot wide receivers in the game, Derek Carr, you have the skilled positions. Josh Jacobs having his statistically, maybe he'll have his best season as a Raider in a losing, in in a losing campaign. Josh Jacobs, you don't want him as your running back. My God, are you kidding me? But but this is uh, this is crucial. And uh, see, Wynn just typed in, you know, it's a fact that Josh Bernardo can't. Well, he can lose the game. I don't think he's going to lose his job. I think we all decided he's going to keep his job this year. Um, we'll, I think he'll start next season as the Raiders head coach. I do. I don't think he will get through next season if we see the same thing we're seeing this season. How are we going to improve? The, some of the play calling, the fourth down calls going for, I, I don't get it. I shake my head. Every game, I will say at least twice, Spencer, I have shaken my head at decisions Josh McDaniels has made. Decisions that, in my opinion, ultimately could have been the difference in a couple of games this season. And in the NFL, as we all know, wins are vitally important as losses are vitally um, catastrophic. A one, one win is just, it, 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 it just, you, you, you can't, you, every win is just so vitally important in the NFL. I, don't, I, I think we all know that. And um, they do need a win today. It's at home. It's again in, against Indy, who just fired their coach, by the way. Jeff Saturday is going to be the coach of the Indianapolis Colts. Hmm. Interesting. He was the center. Good, decent analyst. I like listening to Jeff, but wow, coach. I don't think it would look very good or be a good look for Mark Davis. Uh, and, and, the, and the Las Vegas Raiders, if Jeff Saturday and the Indianapolis Colts, led by a dinosaur, Matt Ryan, come in here and beat them on their home field, not going to be a good look. And that's where I'll agree with you. They have to win this game. Will they? You know what? I'm going to say yes this week. Yes, they're going to beat the Colts today at Allegiant Stadium this afternoon. There we go. My positivity for the day. Well, I'm going to leave it with that. We're going to get out. Uh, we got Scooper on. Okay, we got the Scooper on. Uh, um, we'll talk about a few of the NFL games. But, um, uh, Scooper, I'll let you wait. We, I got an extra minute today. I saved one extra minute for you because I know you like to mix it up. But, um, you know, what do you think of this Raiders team that we have here in Las Vegas? Uh, is, are, they, are they who you thought they were? Are they disappointing you? Or, God forbid, are they exceeding your expectations? Uh, good morning, sir. Obviously not exceeding expectations. Uh, a lot of talent on that team. But I think when you take an athlete like Waller off the field, um, you know, you're going to have some issues. And, and people are sleeping on what kind of a leader John Gruden is. And when you get that whole mess, I think it can really mess with a culture. I think it's a culture issue in, in, uh, in Las Vegas right now. 
Well, it, you know, it, 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 I think more than a, a cultural issue, I, I think it's a coaching issue. And yeah. John Gruden, you know, I'll disagree with you completely. I think John Gruden might be one of the most overrated coaches in history. He took over a team in, in Tampa Bay that was completely Tony Dungy's team and won a Super Bowl with somebody else's team. He took a team to, the, to you know, decently far in Las Vegas, but I, I think he was a good quarterbacks coach. Um, I, you know, I, I don't think they're missing anything with him. I thought he was the most overpaid coach in the history of the National football league no I thought, question. He give up, I thought he should have given up some of the salary at the time to keep Khalil Mack here instead of letting him leave to Chicago say hey, Khalil I got a hundred million dollars you know what here's 10 million stay with us we need you but that's all behind us who do you like today you, you went you, you picked a winner last week you picked a parlay last week so you're on fire right now who do people need to bet on today uh today we're going to go with the best bet of uh, the Denver Broncos this is a spot play um a couple years back, I did this uh, study looking at teams coming out of the bye week, and there was this tendency where when a team has a big win before the bye week, it's like galvanizing force. You come out after the, uh, uh, you know, little mini bye here, and, you know, you just come out. You have a little bit extra energy. Tennessee, they're coming off this uh, hard-fought game against Kansas City where, uh, in all reality, they should have won the football game. Um, they really did everything they could not to win it. Um, just, a, just a weird night, but... Uh, Tennessee's in a rough spot today. They've covered now seven, I think, in a row. Um, Denver, Russell Wilson's been in the headlines here. He's got some extra uh, pressure on him. This is a great spot for Denver today. And as far as the parlay, we're going to team it up with uh, the Cleveland Browns, which is going to be a little bit contrarian. A lot of people are jumping on this Miami bandwagon. Jacoby Brissett's playing some good football. I think Cleveland can hang tough and uh, stay within the number. We're going to parlay it with uh, Denver. So we'll go with the uh, we'll just go with the spreads. Keep it simple. Denver uh, current market. You can get plus two and a half. You can maybe get a cheap buy up to three if you can. Uh, um, you got the right books. You got enough outlets, which is always important. Getting the right number. You saw this last week with Washington. Sometimes you can cover by a half point. All right, there we go. Well, I, I like it. Denver. At Tennessee, and Denver's getting two points on the road at Tennessee. That game scares the hell out of me, but you know what? That's your pick of the week, and I'm going to believe in it and go with it. And you've got Cleveland getting three and a half at Miami. I like that you said Jacoby Brissett's playing well. I picked him up this week on my fantasy team because um, Lamar Jackson and the Baltimore Ravens are on bye, and I needed a quarterback because I'm in a court two quarterback league. So I got to believe in Russell Wilson. So that's why I like your Denver pick because I got Russell playing today, but I picked up Jacoby Brissett as my other quarterback. So we'll see. You got the scoops pick. Yeah, Denver is the main pick of the week, plus two. And the parlay, Denver plus two, Cleveland plus three and a half. There you go. Go to the window. For you out there, Denver money line's a nice play as well, as well as the first half. There you go. We appreciate that as a scooper with the pick and parlay, man. Great week for him. And let's let's have him go two perfect weeks in a row. That would be pretty darn cool to see. We'll see if that all happens. I wanted to mention one other thing in college football is uh, Blake Corum, man. This kid, seven straight games now, at least 100 yards and a touchdown. No Michigan player has done that for 25 years. And some people, not me, but some people compare his stopping and starting ability and his ability to change directions to that very sanity. He's kind of built a little bit like him. And uh, people say that he is definitely going to be, in my opinion, a first-round pick in the National Football League. And I think he has star potential. Barry Sanders, I hate when people do that, man. Please, please, please don't put that kind of pressure on this kid and start talking Barry Sanders to Blake Corum yet. But I do like what the number three Michigan Wolverines are doing. Big win over Nebraska and two weeks away from a matchup. The Vegas Golden Knights host the San Jose Sharks Tuesday at 6 on Fox Sports Las Vegas. 98.9 FM and 1340 AM KKGK Las Vegas.